you know it's it's june if you've got children <laughs> chances are they're graduating school if they're of a certain high school age maybe they're going to the prom and this movie is bananas yeah one could say that <laughs> uh absolute crazy would be another i feel like this is a good continuation of crazy from last week's episode being buckaroo bonsai yeah didn't have you enough. Know. Didn't didn't have her fill last week, so we got to come back for more. And surprising, and I hate myself, but a lot of this movie I really enjoy, <laughs> which is like right, what, which makes me really question what the hell's wrong with me. After two episodes ago, I talk about how I don't much care for Ready or Not, but. For some reason, I would have no problem revisiting this movie every couple of years and having fun with it. Uh There's something wrong with me on a deep, fundamental level if I can have two polar opposite responses of what I should have had viewing two separate movies. I should not like Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. but And I should like Ready or Not, but it's reversed for me, so... It's a bit odd. Yeah, that is strange. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with liking either movie, but that you would be as not. I I don't feel I didn't feel like you were totally against it. I just thought you were really splitting hairs. Whereas, like the the biggest thing with Ready or Not that kind of made me like hmm was when the car got shut down by OnStar, and then. It's like, oh, okay, he reported yeah. it stolen, but then like less than 10 minutes later, he's driving it again. So did he just call him up and be like, no, nah, I'm just pranking you. It's cool. That, don't mind yeah. that screaming lady that was on the uh, on the phone call earlier. Yeah. So that, that was the only thing where I was like, I'm not sure how that works because I think usually they send the police out to do something yeah. or file a report Possibly. or whatever. Yeah. So if anything it's stolen, it's Grand Theft Auto. They kind of right. need to file a report for that. Well, and, yeah, and, and if they shut it down, if anything, that was simultaneously one of the smartest and dumbest moves that he could have done. Because it's smart because it shut her down from escaping, but dumb in that. Well, now the cops are showing up. So what are you going to do? Kill all of them? Right. Maybe I don't right. know. They're rich enough; they can get away with it. But right. so anyway, I didn't feel like you were super down on that. But there's like little things where I don't know. Maybe you just expected more um i expected not more in what we saw but i uh don't like it when a movie thinks i'm it's smarter than me right and that seems like that's a that's a rude statement to have right but i you're supposed to buy into certain things which i couldn't because i felt like that was really silly and not very smart and so when that kind of when you get to that frequency you just start noticing all these like other things that kind of fall in line with that like that's kind of dumb like what you just pointed out you know and for me there was like enough of them where there was kind of like a echo chamber that was building momentum throughout the movie because it's like once you see it once and you're kind of tuned into that you're probably going to see that repetition throughout the movie and you did so it's hard for me to be like, yeah, it was great when I felt like, well, I, I thought something that could have helped that or could have been different. You know, why am I thinking of that? You're, you guys are the writers. You should be thinking about that, you know? So what I'm hearing is that the suspension of disbelief was where it broke down for you. Yep. And yeah. there tends to be the best way I've ever heard it described is suspension of disbelief is like pulling out a rubber band. So you can only pull it so far before it snaps 
And then that's the point which didn't work for you because apparently they pulled it too far and it snapped. Yeah. It didn't snap for me. I, I was fine with it. I felt like this was a silly thing and I was just, I kind of just went along with it. Now, <laughs> that kind of brings us back to Prom Night 2 here with uh-huh. once you get into it, it's within about 20 minutes. It's like, I understand what kind of movie this is going to be. And if they don't lose you there, nothing they do the rest of the time is going to lose you. Uh-uh. And that's kind of the difference between the two movies that I'm hearing. Does does that sound fair? Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, that's accurate. Like I, you know, uh, this very quickly, this movie reminded me of other movies, you know, that I've already seen. So I felt very comfortable watching this. This is a they threw a Nightmare on Elm Street and in particular a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Carrie into a blender. And a little little bit of Psycho as well. This. Yeah. I would also go so far as with the exorcist as well, you know, like the power of Christ. Yeah, poltergeist. You, I mean, you, you know, you had the whole white room scene. Um, I felt like, and that was one of the things I wrote down. This is the third time I've seen this, <laughs> this trash. Oh, this trapeze. is my first. This was it, it. Now I will say that, that I do have to be very clear. Ready or not is a well put together movie as far as visually and you know some parts of the story this is like you said a disaster piece so if you're talking about merits on certain things like ready or not is better for whatever reason this is more entertaining to me back up just a second here because i do feel like this movie is actually pretty well made for what it is it, I wouldn't say it's well thought out. I would say that the sequences and the way that they're constructed are actually pretty well thought out and imaginative with like her getting sucked into the blackboard, the Nightmare on Elm Street style sequences, the different effects and things like that. Oh, yes. Um, unfortunately, the horse. That's creepy as fuck. That's some uh-huh. evil dead shit right there, you know. Anyways, continue. Unfortunately, from a conceptual standpoint, I felt like, okay, we want you to make a sequel to Prom Night 2. And the guy was like, or, or whoever the, the powers that be were like, okay, but I want to make every other movie that's out there instead. And and that's what we wound up with <laughs> because they just took all of those and smashed them together. Yeah. We should talk that like, this, although this is a sequel to Prom Night, which I also have not mm. seen, it's just a sequel in name only because it takes place at the same high school and it centers around prom. That's it. That's it. It takes place at the same high school. So, because I, I did see the first one, but it's been so long. All, all I can remember is them really getting their use out of that disco theme, like prom night. It's a prom night. Yeah. <laughs> it's, some some real it's like man you guys are just determined to use the hell out of that song so that was at hamilton high as well yeah yeah the sequel prom night three is a continuation of this although this is not really a horror comedy and that is a horror comedy three three is a horror comedy and i don't think four has anything to do with with continuing that i had no idea that there were so many problems and then we get to the remake so i yeah and a a remake yeah um unfortunately we watched this on amazon prime which just looks like someone took a beta copy and just dumped it on there and called it a hd movie i saw it on shutter but i was gonna say the same thing where it definitely feels like Mm -hmm. it's a vhs transfer i wonder if it was like a 80s straight to video or shot on video for video you're you're shaking your head uh no it got a theatrical Uh release yeah it did um and it made like three million against its like 2.5 million dollar budget okay so i thought you were gonna tell me it made three million (laughs) against its thirty thousand dollar budget that's a blockbuster man that's a lot of money for this movie the first prom night must have been uh, yeah must have been a smash success or the people raising the money really knew the right people and had just a hell of an elevator pitch where they're just like 
Hey, did you ever hear of Prom Night? Uh huh. It's gonna be like every other horror movie you've ever heard of. Oh, okay, cool. Well, this wasn't even shot to be a, a sequel. It, it's the um, this was not intended to be a sequel at all to Prom Night, and it was literally the a name change for brand recognition. That's mm-hmm. all that it was. Um, it uh was originally called haunting of hamilton high and then they were approached the filmmakers were approached to tie it in as a sequel so they had to go in and uh, reshoot some things to tie in like just with names of shit you know and then besides um, the high school what else the producer that's it so you film a couple exterior so it was the haunting of hamilton high that's the one thing that ties them together and they're like you something's not adding up here for me because I feel like that if that's the one connection that it was already there and they could have just called it prom night too. Yeah, but it wasn't like that's not. How I, it I understand that. You know? So maybe so they just whatever. were using this high school yeah. that they knew that they had. And it just happened to be like the location or something. The first one. Well, here's what I think. Um, both of these productions were shot in the same city as both movies prom night one and two were shot in the same city by the same production company i and with like how they named everyone Mm -hmm. after a horror director i think it was just having it called hamilton high like the haunting of hamilton high was just a kind of like like it was a nod to weird nerdy tie-in like an easter egg or something yes but then okay yeah exactly but then um yeah it was renamed that and then the uh, uh, the or the producer said he felt like branding this as a continuation damaged its reception, like when it was released, because people are expecting probably more something like Prom Night, and here we have this like wacky supernatural Freddy Krueger esque yeah. thing. So know? the original Prom Night was pretty much it, it was a slasher film. Jamie Lee Curtis was in it. There really wasn't yeah. anything super remarkable about it. It, it's worth watching because it is one of those like classic movies that tends to come up and it's that you know jamie lee curtis like hey you were in halloween being this halloween knockoff so you, you got your prom night your terror train where you know she's kind of making the rounds doing that and then they sort of brought her back and so it's kind of like how between halloween and the fog so it's it's worth watching if yeah. you like movies of that era and you just want to see more of jamie lee um check it out the mystery isn't anything really i don't know shocking or satisfying maybe it just seems tame to me by comparison because we've seen so many that kind of like the original friday the 13th just doesn't have the same power that it must have had back when people actually knew betsy palmer as this wholesome person from television we don't have that awareness those shows aren't on when we're growing up right so you just see it and it's like oh it's the mom okay <laughs> It just doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. So maybe seeing the killer in Prom Night had a similar impact, and I won't spoil that for people who haven't seen it, yourself included. Oh, thank you. And then we circle around to Prom Night 2, which... <laughs> okay. So, what? okay, I'm just so curious. What made you want to talk about this movie? Because I, I find like it's kind of hard to talk about. Not that yeah. it's bad to talk about. But it's just so odd in so many places, you know, like the topics it talks on, you know, and then like, I mean, in the first five minutes, you have like the death of Mary Lou by Mm -hmm. fucking fire, which is a really weird way to set up the movie. I cause like. I'm not ready for this. Like, okay. Well, before before on. we get too far off base, <laughs> you know? what made me pick this movie? Uh, well, you can't yeah. be the only person who picks bad movies. So that's, that's, I can bring that to the, I can that's give true. it as good as I get. So just, <laughs> so take that Ninja three, the domination. Um, <laughs> most of the weird movies have been Matt's picks so far. Not all, but most of them. And it's fine. I love that because every, every once in a while I just want to see something weird and wild and you know, just like, man, these people yeah. were really trying, but like it's not that they didn't know what they had so much as 
They just didn't know what it was all going to amount to once they put it all together. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's there's just something fascinating about these movies. It's kind of like a lava lamp where it's just sort of transfixed by them. So we let's go back to the dance scene then. So that that, that was my long meandering answer to that the yeah. first half of your question. That dance scene is really interesting. Like, I, I mean, you talk about logic problems and things. Now, I know they're trying to paint Mary Lou as this harlot, you know, bride of Satan, basically. Yeah. I love the scene. Right. How. <laughs> so Michael Ironside is one of the main characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's dating young Michael Ironside. Who. It amuses me to no end that young Michael Ironside also has a receding hairline in the flashback. Like the idea that the audience wouldn't be yeah. able to just be like, oh, that's who that is when he was younger, when they intercut that. It's like, no, no, no. You have to give that guy a receipt. So was he just born like that? Like just comes out of the womb with no hair. Right. Because I was when I saw that, I was trying to think like, well, he doesn't look like a high schooler. And then I had to like fact check that in my head. And I'm like, did anyone I know in high school have a receding hairline? You know, and I couldn't think of any, but there yeah. is probably well, and some, back to this. You know? Yeah. Does he doesn't look like a high schooler? Nobody here looks like a high schooler. <laughs> the guy that she's cheating on him with no doesn't one. look like a high schooler. And and then they have that scene where she still he goes to get her some punch and she just instantly turns around, starts making out with this other 35 year old guy. Immediately. Immediately. Like, go get me some punch. I'm going to go fuck. We're going to dry fuck (laughs) the hell out of each other in the back room. And while they're doing it, they're like trading this pint of vodka or whatever around. And I just found that like that's such a Uh movie trope because anybody who's ever been in the thick of making like I don't care if you're a teenager and you're like, oh, boy, booze, you don't come up for air when you're making out and then sip a vodka and then just go right back that nobody does that. So let's just put that out there right now. That's a total movie trope. And it's just like the, if that doesn't set up the cartoonish nature of this movie. Right. I just felt like Mm -hmm. that was crazy. Right. And then, so obviously like young Michael Ironside is like pissed off as anyone should be. But then fucking murders her. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's supposed to look like a prank <laughs> gone wrong. He throws this firecracker down, but it catches her dress on fire, which must be made out of like. Gasoline solidified hairspray. Like, it's like, you know, it probably says Aquanet on yeah. the <laughs> on the tag. No shit. Because it's just like a cinder block. I mean, just like, it's not a cinder block, but like, that's what Mm -hmm. I was going to say, because, you know, I can't talk. But um, it just goes up in flames so incredibly quick. And then I thought, like, no one one helps her. Somebody help her. The one guy tries for half a second, and then he just, like, oh, it's too hot, and he backs off. And then... and. Fire. Yeah, and they show fire him burn. just like fire burn pounding the stage. Like, no. <laughs> Me, but yeah. nobody else tries to help her. None of the teachers, nobody else. You could pull the fire alarm to trigger the sprinklers. I mean, it's just little stuff like that. One of many things, yes, yeah. that could have helped her. I don't know. Maybe pour the punch okay. on yeah. her. You know, I don't know anything. There were no brainiacs in the, the gymnasium at this prom. You know, zero. Well, and I like to think if that's what we're dealing with, that that would have been the tinder that burned the whole school down because nobody helped her. Now she's on the stage. The stage is probably going to catch up. It's out of control. Nobody's calling the fire department or anything. It's just, yeah, no, we're we're burning down. I did think it was cool, though, and I'm pretty sure they did it practically with like flame bars and things like that, trying to show the actress inside the fire without doing yeah, actual burn that was stunt. Cool. And the way she was looking like back up at Ironside, who's like on top of a 
the whatever the mm -hmm. uh, what Gantry, scaffolding yeah whatever stage stuff the the look of like i'm coming after you at some point i'm just like she yeah she deserves mm -hmm. to come after this asshole for like yeah accident or not he still set right. her on fire you know i mean bad attitude or not yeah she i think she's in the right to want to come after people you know maybe not to the lengths that she goes but yeah i mean set me on fire at my prom you know i'm gonna i think she has the right to come back even though from the she's other a side jezebel you know? that was a bit much just but... treats people terribly in general i'm not saying that's enough to condone burning someone alive i just i don't feel like there's any good guys yes, in this exactly. scenario and and then no and what a piece of shit michael ironside turns out to be you know mm -hmm. as an adult we can get into that later but what yeah. a piece of shit so as we're that, coming down the know? mountain off of that that's supposed to be a flashback yeah we cut to present day which also looks like a flashback because of how far removed from the present time it is and how shitty the video quality is it just has that kind of cheesecloth look over it like you're yeah like you're seeing the I whole thing no through a dream filter funny thing i didn't know it was a flashback until they said like hey it's the 1957 prom i'm like oh we're in the past you know i had no idea because guess what the people from the 80s also look exactly the same as they do well from you know the, the stock you can you know? tell with the hair a little bit but that that's why i say though it's it's really interesting to see this movie geez what are we 30 years removed this is 1987 yeah and that was as long ago to us as the prom was to them in present times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's some inception <laughs> for you. One of the reasons why this is like a very much feels like a nightmare on Elm Street to me is all the hallucinations, dreamlike stuff that happens. Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? Is it just a hallucination? Because sometimes it's a dream, like they wake up. Other times it seems like it's like what's happening is kind of in reality, but they don't see reality. Yeah, They're seeing yeah my reading else, of that was you know? that, you know, it wasn't dreamland so much as kind of supposed to be like the spirit world or like the representation of her slipping into the okay. spirit world and the possession as the possession takes hold. Now, one thing that I just will not give this movie at all is that when she opens the trunk, that's supposed to be like what lets out, I guess, the spirit of Mary Lou. Yeah. And, I, and I'm thinking like, OK, they're building up to this like they're going to her remains are in there and like Ironside, I don't know, hid the remains at the school or something like that. That would make so much sense. Right. So much more sense if it, like her remains mm -hmm. were actually in the luggage thing. But it's literally a dress, not hers, and a tiara. Right. Tiara, whatever. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe there is just nothing left of her because it, as much as that would make sense, how would young balding Ironside have gotten her remains, not only put her out, but gotten her remains away from the hundreds of witnesses that just saw all of this. Right. Also, how does he later in life become the principal of the school where he accidentally yeah. killed well, his girlfriend? Well, we know. How we witnessed that it. that happen? <laughs> but I don't think the dullards in the prom audience witnessed that. Yeah, they don't even know how to put out a fire. So how are they going to right, solve a murder right. investigation? Call nine one one or anything. Just nothing. They're like, was there even nine one one in fifty seven? Maybe. <laughs> someone, someone, find that out. Write that in. I'd like to know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I would have. Oh, you could call the operator, the operator, police department, or something. So there was oh, some yeah. equivalent to that. Yeah. But they didn't do that. Yeah. So. He became the principal of the high school, I guess, as penance to, I don't know, atone for his past mistakes. Similar to how the guy who was making out with Mary Lou and pounding on the stage became the priest. 
you know? Yeah. So they both kind of felt really guilty about yeah. that incident and kind of spun out in different directions to sort of atone for that later in life. I think that's supposed to be the message, whether or not it comes I mean, through, because they both do a really bad job of it. The jury's out on that. Yeah. What did you think of, like, the cast of characters? Because there there are, well, I shouldn't say cast of characters. I should say more of, like, comedy or things that I thought were really funny. One of them was, like, right at the beginning, right? And they're they're kind of, like, setting up who's who. And it's, like, classroom shot. And someone talking, right? The guy is like setting up an experiment to make a fucking radio mm-hmm. out of a potato, right? <laughs> you don't see him on camera, but you hear his voice and he goes, Yeah, I tried to do this with guacamole, but all I got was Mexican mm-hmm. radio stations. I was like, That's funny to me. Dad joke, kind of. But then I thought, Am I racist for laughing at that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's an inherently racist. <laughs> I, I he's just talking about ethnic food. I I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I still thought it was funny. So that that I'll give you a pass on that one. A little. There there was, was definitely <laughs> an attempt to infuse the supporting cast with some level of that, but it, it was really strange to me because I just never felt like any of them were really connected. Not in the way that like a Nightmare on Elm Street group of kids where you feel like they come together. Oh. You know that they're friends even though they don't understand what's happening to the one of them. I think Elm Street 5 is probably a a good example of that where the other characters don't know what's going on with Alice, but you still know that they're a tight-knit group of people. You just get that sense. I didn't get that here. Yeah, like, they all had their own... No, not here. Like, in Nightmare, all the movies, they seem to have, like, a posse. Like, a a tight-knit group of kids that have to face Freddy Krueger, you know? And their relationships are all, like, interweaving. This one, Mm -hmm. not really. Not at all. Like, I don't know who's friends with who. I don't know who sticks up for what person. Everyone kind of seems to be, like, nonchalant about whatever I didn't even know that her boyfriend... That Vicky's boyfriend, Vicky being the one who Mary Lou winds up trying to possess... I didn't even know that her boyfriend was the priest's son until, or no, he was Ironside's son. Yeah, Un- Ironside's until son. Until they have yeah. their one son. scene together, yeah. and he, he knocks him out with a shoe. Oh, that? Oh, but he was in the office, like, at the beginning, where he's like, you forgot to eat breakfast. Oh, okay. Here's an apple. Like, all right. Well, is he just doing that or is he just being like weird ass Michael Ironside? I mean, like, that's the kind of thing where it's like the connections are there, but they're so tenuous that I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little thick. I didn't pick up with on on him because I was too busy laughing at the rest of the movie. There's a lot to laugh at for sure. And not just intentional stuff. Uh, But yeah, that I mean, that brings up a good point. Like with, you know, Michael Ironside assaulting his son, probably giving him a concussion, you know. Yeah, he was out. a football player. He's he's in so a he constant can't go state find of concussion. <laughs> well, that's one of the parts that makes me say, like, this Michael Ironside as a dad is such an asshole. Because he kills Mary Lou, right? Right at the beginning, we've established that. Hits his son over the head to knock him out so he can't find Vicky. Jumping forward right to the end, kills Vicky by gunshot. Like, this... This dad is an asshole, and no one is saying, stop, <laughs> just just stop. Well, somehow know? that doesn't even really kill Vicky. It just kind of like ends the possession, and she comes back somehow because the real Mary Lou explodes out of Vicky, and then she winds up being trapped in the trunk during the whole poltergeist scene. Like, there's so much of this that doesn't add up. Well, let's, let's, okay. Not to go right to the ending like we always do, but let's really break down the multiple endings that reminded me of uh, Return of the King, where it's just like, oh, I thought this ended here. Uh, no, it keeps going. I thought it's ending now. Oh, okay. You know, it could have ended with Michael Ironside and uh, Mary Lou dancing at their old prom. I thought that would have been, if it ended there, it'd be like, oh, this is actually mm-hmm. kind of like The Shining, mm-hmm. 
you know, in a way. And I'm like, that could have been a cool ending. We're not done yet, you know? Then it's, uh, I mean, even before that, it's like she grotesquely comes out of Vicky because Michael Ironside shot Vicky in the chest, which did kind of end the possession. But that was very reminiscent of like A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, where like Freddy comes to this reality literally through someone else's body, which is like the same thing. And then you have like the Carrie influence of like, I'm shutting all the doors because of my yeah. powers. And then you have the Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> 1 influence where <laughs> Mary Lou possesses Michael Ironside. And he's driving the car and the locks go down and let's cruise. Like the yeah. 50s music comes on and it's supposed to be chilling and let's cruise. He's just with that maniac grin yeah. that only Michael Ironside can do. But then, but even in all of that, Vicky gets resurrected through the trunk, uh-huh. the luggage trunk. And she just has like ectoplasm all over her. And it's like, wait, what now? Like, didn't she die? Uh, and because, you know, there's her body was torn in half because Mary Lou had to come right. to this reality. Yeah. Yeah. That all gets lost somewhere in that bizarre shell game, which, you know, you can follow most of it up until the end. And like, you kind of just go along with it and it doesn't, really start like i didn't really start to question it until you try to unpack the events and then it you just keep going back and it's like well that doesn't add up that doesn't add up and then going back even further to that it's like why did michael ironside put on a cardigan to go grave robbing i don't know (laughs) that's just this whole movie (laughs) like yeah well what other things didn't add up uh, well we just described a bunch of them you know, it's it's really just like this movie has no rules because there's that scene where Vicky's stalking her friend and, and they kind of have that like lesbian shower scene just for the sake just for the sake Out of, of having field, that. Right? Out of left field. And then she winds up <laughs> they wind up having this kind of chase scene through the locker room. She hides in the locker and then you like you don't think uh-huh. she got away, but it's like Mary Lou's making her think she did and then the lockers just smush together and just kill her and she just puts like an out of service thing on the door like like that's gonna work like you were the only two people in the whole school in the locker room like no one else is gonna be in there so okay yeah that was a little weird um i mean the whole prologue sequence of her writing like for a good time call mary lou in the confessional like they're uh-huh. not going to wipe that off. But again, we got to paint her up as this like out of control. Awful. Youth of the fifties, yeah. which I mean, that was a big thing. There was a lot of like teenagers are sending this country straight to hell movies where it's like, if you don't watch your kids, if you don't know where they're at at nine o'clock at night, that's what's <laughs> going to happen. You know, a lot of that kind of alarmist thing that never came to man. If those parents could see today, like <laughs> their heads would blow up, you know. So, yeah, that was weird. I thought it was really weird when the like, what was it the boyfriend goes to her house and there's a message on the answering machine where it's like, you know, yeah. gotta go places to be people to kill. And it's like, wait a minute. So you. Knew he was going to show up at your house and preemptively left a message on your answering machine for them to find, even though at least your dad should still be alive. Because I I think it's kind of implied that she killed the mom. Well, yeah, she threw the mom, her mom through the door. It's kind of psychic punched her through the door. You're not going (laughs) to stop me from going out. I kind of like the construction of that sequence. And that, that's a good hit, too, where it just like, boom, just blows right through yeah. that door. But but then moments before that, you have, like, incestuous shit, you know, but, like... But that's Mary Lou, you know, like, twisting right, the, the whole thing and being perverted. the dad doesn't say anything. The he, dad, like... He takes way too long to put the brakes on that. Because at first, it's like, oh, oh, oh no. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it takes him way too long, whereas she never should have gotten as close as she did. I mean, this yeah. she's not going in for a kiss on the cheek. This is like a Widowmaker French kiss. Like, this is, we're going straight down your throat like the 
like the exhaust <laughs> yeah. trench on the Death Star, you know, like we're going yeah. right down there. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that was that was really weird. But like, why? Why even have that in the movie? You know, uh, weird and creepy and off putting. Yeah. But like the, these people who made this movie should be like, you know, that we're already going through like a lot of different bullshit. Um, maybe we pump the brakes on this one thing. So back to the trunk. How is it? Are we to believe mm-hmm. that the sash and the tiara, which show no signs of being in a fire? <laughs> just, just putting that out there. That these two items mm-hmm. contain the soul of Mary Lou. And how did Ironside yeah. wind up with them? Yeah. Because they were on her body. So, because he took that and hid that at the school. Like, he did that. Yeah, he did. Unless that's, I don't know, like, it just doesn't, it makes it no really sense. It really does make Michael Ironside so weird. More weird. No, it doesn't make any sense. Because to have it, both of those things in pristine condition after said, you know, the person who was wearing them was set on fire. Either Michael Michael Ironside had to clean the crown, right? The tiara or whatever. And possibly make a new homecoming queen sash, you know, and then put that back in the luggage. But what, what does the luggage, the, the box have to do with nothing? Mary Lou. See, that's, that's Not why I felt like the, the remains were in there or something, but they weren't. It just became this, like, we want to, we need a poltergeist closet and it can't be a closet. <laughs> I mean, that that's just what that felt mm-hmm. like. But then it was in the back of the theater, like the dressing room of the theater, which I don't feel like Vicky was a drama student, so why was she back there in the first place? Well, she was on the planning committee for the prom, I guess, and they were looking for stuff to put out, maybe. I don't know. It's just, it, it was, it's been there for 30 years for anybody to find. So if his intention was to hide it, he did not hide it very well. No, not at all. This is not Freddy Krueger's bones in the junkyard, people. <laughs> Which right. that movie was out. I mean, so they had that that they could have ripped off, but they didn't. <laughs> when did Prince <laughs> of Darkness come out? Any idea? Oh, uh, I I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say like mid 80s, maybe like 86 or 87. Um, I'm not exactly. Same year, dude. Okay. 1987. So this uh, Prince of Darkness and this one. Well, I just because I when she when she's getting pulled into the blackboard, I I kept thinking about the the Mercury and the of the mirror in uh, Prince of Darkness. Like I, I thought, yeah. like, oh, they saw that and they were doing that kind of thing. No, it's just parallel thinking. But uh, it was a cool scene. So, what are your favorite like of the dream sequences, hallucinations? whatever you want to call them. What are your favorites? Or I really like the stuff at the high school just because I've always obviously enjoyed Nightmare on Elm Street. And there's there's really something cool about being in a school or a hospital after hours where these places are so busy. And then but but after hours, they're just so quiet. And there's there's always something I found really Mm -hmm. strange about that. And I think that's why, like, Halloween 2, I, I really enjoy it, even though it's not as good as the first one, because it captures that sense of being in a hospital after hours and just that weird sense of quiet that this place, which normally has, it's exploding with life. And there's just something strange and off-putting mm-hmm. because you're taking something fairly sterile and putting it out of its element. And I think Elm Street always did that in a great way to good effect with the school. Because that's something that most kids can relate to, the school setting, being there a little after hours. It's like, oh, I, I need to get out of here because everybody else is out of here. Like, I'm, I'm going to miss the bus or whatever. Right, right. So I, I always liked that sort of imagery, and I those were the ones I liked the best. The rocking horse thing I, I thought was kind of weird, just because, like, it's 
that rocking horse is way too big to for her to just have that left over from when she was like it's an adult size rocking horse this is not something you buy which is another creepy element isn't it like if you really break Mm -hmm. down that horse why is it so big like she's almost an adult this is her senior prom that's what i'm saying so it can't be a yeah it can't be a leftover from childhood so that makes it super weird that as like an almost adult she's like i would love a huge Mm -hmm. rocking horse toy in my bedroom it's a real i mean if you break that down but that's what this whole movie is like if you break down like what you're seeing and don't take it as face value it becomes exceptionally weird to that end the mother is trying to paint her as this real harlot even though she's fairly chaste yeah yeah the mom is like everyone's a heretic you know repent i i was i thought for sure the mom was gonna say mm-hmm. they're all gonna laugh at you you know like right. like right. in carrie or something like that uh but no that didn't happen but the yeah the mom was like i felt like that was like some sort of like puritan thing like scarlet or the uh, scarlet letter or whatever you know like witchcraft like Mm-hmm. You're a witch. Burn the witch. You know, burn burn her on a wicker rocking horse. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I felt like that was there, so that that character could push back against the Mary Lou once the possession is taking over, and not that Vicky was ever really that way. So I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to reconcile here. Is like. Vicky growing up with this mother and like she's overreacting to everything and then along comes this possession and it's like I was right all along you are terrible but it's that was not what happened yeah right um I think for me like the favorite one of my favorite scenes is the chalkboard Mm -hmm. like turning into that whirlpool and then getting stuck through it I thought that was really cool uh, and I'm like, wow, that like it would probably be better if something like that was in. <laughs> well, that Street, that's one thing they would have shot know? better, because yeah, Elm Street Four. There is an absolutely mind bending sequence where Alice gets sucked into the movie screen, and the camera tricks mm-hmm. and the sleight of hand during that are so good. I couldn't figure out how it was done until I read a book detailing how they broke that down and and filmed it in different locations. And there's so many things going on where you just couldn't figure out how that was happening. Whereas here it's, Oh, that's cool. But she's lying on her back and they, they're filming from above and, you know, yeah. A little bit more creativity and artistry would have made that something really special instead of something that was just pretty neat. Yeah, and I like the reason why it's also, I mean, it's visually striking, but then at the end you see like how the chalk, um, the chalk letters are like swirled around. It's not water anymore, but they're just moved around on the chalkboard. I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's such a cool idea to kind of add to like the weirdness of it, you know? And I just imagine like having to like, investigate a supernatural event and those letters you'd see on a chalkboard and you're like how do they move around <laughs> like this trying to explain why they would be placed yeah. like that you know yeah, you're, you're sort of forensic crime solving that in reverse right yeah not not with this movie where anything can happen i mean may, maybe fox Mulder could figure right. that out because he's so good at just jumping to impossible conclusions the first time with no right. help whatsoever he's like i know it did that yeah it's pretty amazing he's like the guy that <laughs> already saw the episode of jeopardy on rerun and when you're watching it the second time he just knows all the answers and you and it's like he's not letting on but he's playing it off like he doesn't know how that is that's that's fox Mulder right there he's seen this movie before he's he's just being a dick about it <laughs> so i found uh found some interesting behind the scenes stuff about this one. Um, so the, to do the research, they didn't hire the director. They brought back the screenwriter to do the research, which is Ron Oliver. Uh, and so he called Wes Craven for advice on the reshoots. 
uh, and his advice was give them a scare, give them a hard on, and then send them home. Okay, that's what his advice was. Which is like, I don't know. I feel like coming from Wes Craven, that seems very un-Wes Craven to say. You know, uh, he seems pretty thoughtful yeah. in all of his. Well, interviews. and and yet, if you look at the first Nightmare on Elm Street, you've you've got the scare and you've got uh you know the i'm your boyfriend now nancy with the tongue kind of thing so there's your weird sexuality thing i wouldn't say that's the boner but you know maybe that's what he was getting at um right yeah that's interesting like i tried to find out more information on like why the director didn't come back to do the reshoots uh because like one of the reshoots uh, actually most of the reshoots had uh were revolved around special effects you know uh, so like the the locker room squeezing, you know, and then like that pink oatmeal coming out, which I'm guessing mm-hmm. is supposed to be blood. Uh, and then, um, yeah, the chalkboard swirling scene that was all reshot. Um, that actually cost $2,000 per hour for that. And they had to shoot that over like two or three days. That's crazy. Just that that whirlpool wow. thing costs a lot of money to do. Um, but yeah, I couldn't find any information out on like why this... Um, why this director didn't come back to do the reshoots, you know, because it didn't seem like it didn't seem like it was that much. It only lasted about a week to do the research or not to do mm-hmm. research, to do the reshoots. Uh, who knows? I'm, all I can think of is but, that it was a cost saving measure. The writer was probably cheaper than the director. Yeah. Maybe they had lost faith in him for whatever reason. It could be a million things. Right. What's your favorite death out of this movie? Because they're pretty, um, they're pretty different. All of them are pretty different. You know, you don't have the same like death by impaling or stab wound or something like that. It's like, now we're going to be pretty elaborate. Like uh, when that art student gets killed, mm-hmm. I thought she was going to get guillotined by the paper cutter. But right. then, nope, she gets hanged yeah, instead. Yeah, by the magic cape. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would Dr. say Strange that's probably cape. my least favorite one, which is too bad because that's the one that kicks it off. Yeah. I... I don't know. I like the burning sequence with Mary Lou. I think that actress really has a, a piercing gaze. She's just got a really interesting look most of the time. And, and as over the top as this was, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see more of her because I would have liked to have seen a little sleight of hand where, you know, Vicky might be saying something but then you see mary lou in the mirror kind of doing the same thing and little stuff like that to to really show the the possession i think you could have played that up a little bit more and made a little more use of that actress i think that would have been nice i i think it's must have been really difficult though from a casting standpoint to find an actress who could not only carry that wild of a character in the flashback but also in the present and they have to be pretty similar. Like I, I don't feel like their readings are too different of the characters. So I don't know if they both just got it or if they were kind of like trading notes of like, Oh yeah, well I can out crazy you or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't even really think about that, but that's a really good point that it didn't seem like it was two different characters mm-hmm. when they were crazy. You know, it seemed like it was the same one or it was believable. when they were crazy. Yeah, when they were crazy. This movie is just so incredibly odd. Like, even because I watched this twice, and even even after the second viewing, <laughs> even after the second viewing, um, I still didn't know if I if I like it. I just know that I would watch it again. Something to put on, you know. That doesn't make much sense, but yeah. Well, there's a lot of movies um, that, I mean, so, you wouldn't change the channel if they came on, but would you buy it on DVD? Yeah, maybe not. Well, yeah, but I do that with, like, Vin Diesel movies and, like, Pitch Black and stuff. If that's on, because I'm just a lazy piece of shit sometimes and I don't uh-huh. want to turn the channel, you know? So that can happen with his movies, but I don't know. Yeah, I do like this movie on, on weird levels. I like the imagery of this movie the most. And the it's so grotesque right at the end where she's coming mm-hmm. out of Vicky's body with that. The teeth look really funny. The teeth will make you laugh once you see them because it's basically, you know, like, I don't know, like pieces. Of, it looks like pieces of rice stuck up in there, you know. But um, I like the quick 
like reforming where it's like she comes out of the body and it's basically like a head and spine and then it cuts to people freaking out cuts back to her and she's a little bit more put together and that kind of evolves into like i'm just mm-hmm. like sli- slightly burned you know instead of oh a she's port. and the movement that she I had was i, really I wouldn't creepy, say she's slightly you know? burned i'd say she's pretty thoroughly fricasseed it's just that the uh the cor- it's not a charred corpse so much as um you see a lot like a lot of skin damage yeah but i'm saying like by the end of it like when she's chasing after the principal's son she's not really burned anymore that's what mm-hmm. i mean by like slightly burned you know i'm not talking about like yeah, yeah. what put her into the ground i'm talking about like after her evolution evolution well, i think that's her how, form. it's supposed to signify that she's gaining power right no yeah i mean i agree I'm just like, I really okay. like that transformation. You know, it was super creepy, you know. Um, but yeah, that's the Carrie reference. But she does, she only kills like one person in that gymnasium. And that's the girl who um, was trying to win prom, you know. Well, she electrocutes the um, 1980s computer nerd. Because it, it's like he's hacking yeah. into the internet. <laughs> he's hacking into ARPANET to because uh, they've got their right <laughs> the prom votes up in the cloud on the computer. Like, okay, that's I'm I'm pretty sure that didn't hold water back then <laughs> in yeah. the cloud. Hold on, let me just log into my cloud from my 1980s modem. <laughs> when will you have it? Uh tomorrow. <laughs> Yep. It's downloading right now. Downloading a photo in the early 2000s was a you miserable to see it experience. one line at a time. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that was like the 90s. I don't think it was that bad in the 2000s, but the 90s for sure, where it would like form one line at a time. And then you'd get like a an error yeah. like halfway through sometimes, like the modem would disconnect. And you just... we're, we're really dating ourselves. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> It's awful. Oh, here's something that'll date me. When someone told me about what email is, my mind was like, we live in the future. <laughs> you know, because it was like someone told me about it. And this was like in the seventh or sixth or seventh grade, right? And they're like, yeah, you can just like electronically email someone. I'm like, what do you even mean? Like, how do you even do that? Shut like, up. You just send him an email. Mom, like, Larry's saying, Larry's like, saying weird things. Get it. That, on the, that people just communicate. Yeah. Tell him he's wrong. <laughs> and yeah. And they get it. Yeah. They just get it. They get the message. I'm like, yeah. And then they reply back on your computer. <laughs> Not my head. My, my yeah. pea brain of like 1995. Could not handle what email was yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I, st- I still have that feeling periodically where like there'll be some new development or new technology and it's like, future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That never gets old and I don't yeah. want it to ever get old. I do love that feeling and I had that feeling just now with my new cell phone because it's so... My old cell phone had voice control, but they really like turned it up to 11 with this one. And then it's like interconnectivity with other media that I have, like my TV. And I'm just blown away that like all this stuff knows what Mm -hmm. each other is now. And it's like, do you want me to connect to this thing that's also in your living room? Well, that's the exciting thing about 5G. Yeah, go ahead is is the well they they yeah. call it memo it multiple input multiple output and that's we, i don't know if you've heard the expression the internet of things but like that's what that is like we're in the formative stages of that so that's uh that's pretty cool so back to the body count so you've got electrocution which looked pretty bad i, th- I think even by their standards uh the girl that was <laughs> you're uh-huh. wrong dead wrong yeah <laughs> Um, so that guy, <laughs> yeah. the girl that got hung, the girl that got smashed, the girl, the, pro, the actual prom queen. I think that was it. Wasn't right. That, that's the body count in this. Crucifix stabbing. Okay. So five. Let's let's count the mom in there. Yeah. Like let's just say that. Yep. It's that implied was too much for her. 
yeah. I like yeah. that. I, I I like putting them on. So not the a lot there because I don't know that character is just so shitty that uh, that that was. I think getting Hulk smashed through the door was the right call for someone like that. I think I, think I was ready to do that myself just because of how she was talking. Like okay, you know, yeah, through the door, kick to the abdomen. Rocket through the door. <laughs> well, I like the 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 way that the camera was rushing towards each of them, and then it, it it was edited very well. And that's that's one of the things that it's like. Would I recommend this movie to people? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, like it's not a it's not what you call a good movie objectively, but it's it's actually really well made for what it is, and it's well put together, and it's pretty well constructed from a technical standpoint. And I, I think that's what saves it from being yeah. something where it's like so bad that it gives you a headache. Cause he, even though the. Right. And I think that's what hooked me. Like what you just said is what hooked me into the movie where I'm like, yeah, I could watch this more than a few it's times, good. you know, because of those reasons, because of like, it's well-crafted, but then like, if you kind of go into like how everything lines up, you're like, no, this is a, this is a real dumb movie. But there's also some pretty cool stuff in it and pretty well thought out and executed. It's just at the sum of its parts, like don't make a great movie, you know, but there are greatness. There is great uh -huh. things in it. Now, you know? I think this is a good example of what I always talk about, which is it takes just as much effort to make a bad movie as it does to make a good movie. <laughs> Because this is a bad movie that had a lot of effort put into it. Yeah. And yeah, and it, it shows because there's a lot of people that were really trying their ass off with it. Now, they could have phoned it in, you know, but oftentimes a lot, they're still putting in the same hours and spending a lot of money and everything like that. So the difference is usually the artistry of the people both behind and in front of the camera. And I think Prom Night 2 is a good illustration of that, like, working that cyclical relationship just working i agree a hundred percent people oh one thing i want to bring up and okay i've never seen blue velvet mm -hmm. have you this movie in particular gets compared a lot to blue velvet also do you, do you think that's a fair comparison i don't know i haven't seen blue velvet but i'm just like David Lynch is on a different level, okay? Yeah, the only thing I can think of is the scene where the girls in the locker is very similar to the scene in Blue Velvet where that character is in the locker watching, I think it's Dennis Hopper do something really depraved. Okay. That, that's about it. They also took that scene shot for shot and put it into Silent Hill 2 when James is in the closet like he, like he hears this noise and he runs in the closet and then Pyramid Head comes out and he's like raping a, a mannequin. Oh, Jesus. That is straight out of Blue Velvet, except that they replaced the monster. They replaced Dennis Hopper with a monster. Okay. Jesus. All right. I didn't know about that with uh, Blue Velvet. Well, how firm is your memory on Silent Hill too? Because that might have had a part in that Dude. as well. It's only been 20 years. I played it on the original Xbox One. <laughs> The actual first Xbox. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I beat it. Silent Hill Two. I don't think I beat. So I don't know. I mean, look, my memory of what horror games I played should be better than what it is because I've only played a few of them. But that's like so long ago, and I even have the um shitty hd collection that came out like what five or six years ago a little longer than that why did you buy that you don't play these games anymore i thought i'd try to get into them and uh -huh. start from the beginning but that's too bad because that was a it. real why? bad port yeah it was horrible i i don't know though because i never actually played it i bought it and never played it i don't know like yeah i don't i don't play horror games at all anymore but uh yeah I, once in a while i try to think like today's the day you're gonna get over how much of a psycho you become when you play these damn things uh -huh. and then i think to myself i don't want to become a psycho so i'm just not gonna play them 
want to become because I freak out. I oh, get okay. so goddamn scared of these <laughs> fucking pixels, right? Where it's like I just can't, I can't do it. Like it gets under my skin so bad about nothing. Nothing's happening, and I'm like psyching myself up so much that yeah. i'm literally seeing things that aren't there it's that's what's great about it is it's theater of the mind and it's that's more than baseball it's horror games are a game of anticipation because when something does happen it's usually this explosive jolt and you're you know yeah man but then i feel like my heart's gonna fucking stop like it's like we can't handle this <laughs> Well, you, you, sh know? you should come over to my house and play Resident Evil 7 in VR because it will. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thanks. A buddy of mine. Like I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Resident Evil fan. I've beaten all those games a bunch of times. I've, I've currently only beaten the newest one three times, so I'm really slacking on that. But Resident Evil 7, you could play it with PlayStation VR. A good buddy of mine lent me all the equipment for that. And... Uh, Man, it is wild. Like I, I know all these jump scares and everything, but it's it's the fact that you can look around and it's doing this glassesless stereoscopic 3D that when the characters like do stuff like this, it's it's like you flinch and you know like there's like a dinner table scene which is straight out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but with kind of like an Evil Dead remake. Yeah, like that level of intensity to it, as if the Texas Chainsaw dinner scene wasn't intense enough. And like that was so uncomfortable, and like I've seen it a, at least seven or eight times because I've beaten that game a bunch of times. It was so uncomfortable, like <laughs> playing it in VR is great. Loved it. Here's my worry about VR that I think would only happen to me. Right, I'd have the VR set on, you know, over my eyeballs or whatever, and I'd flinch so fucking hard that that headset would fly off. And like into a wall or something, and I'd break it, you know. Uh huh. I think that I think I could actually do that, like, and that would be my luck. Like it would shatter the glass inside or something. How'd you do this? I got scared shitless from playing a horror game. Yeah, I will say it's pretty well constructed. So the average person that wouldn't happen to, but you would find a way. But we know that I am not average. Yeah, we know better. <laughs> In this regard, <laughs> yeah, you're be you're better than normal. You're abnormal. You, yeah. That would happen to you, yeah. Well, it would be the one defect in like you know whatever plastic that they use. Or like, oh yeah, we sent you. First, it would be like I broke the thing, but hey, like oh yeah, we, this is a very rare issue. But yeah, like you're one of the only people that's happened to. Yeah, I I don't want to belabor this anymore because I'm sure nobody cares and they've turned the podcast off already. But. Um, there, there's actually a lock on the back. I don't know about Oculus, but there's actually a lock that once you set it for your head and there's a whole pad on, on the front. Oh. And then you just click the lock and it, it makes it so it doesn't slide around or anything. Like oh, that. that's it, really cool. It's actually really well constructed. However, that said, you would find a way. I'd find a way. <laughs> we like this movie. I do. I do. Um, I don't know how many people I could recommend it to, but definitely horror people. You know, I definitely recommend it to like people like horror dads, mm -hmm. you know, those type of guys. I think they would enjoy it quite a bit. For people that don't like horror, probably not. They're probably like, what the fuck is this? No, probably yeah, judge me as anything. a human being, you know, for recommending this movie to them, uh -huh. you know, but there's enough to like about it and enough for me to watch it again because it's just so out there so yeah yeah it's funny to see the discrepancy because like on imdb i think it's got a six point something which is actually pretty high for a movie like this and then the amazon reviews are like 4.8 <laughs> yeah i think it's got like a 48 percent on rotten tomatoes which again is pretty high for a movie like this yeah definitely so yeah i would check it out <laughs> if people are interested four stars <laughs> <laughs> check it out check it out well that's going to do it for this episode as always if you guys can follow us on social media at post credits podcast on facebook and instagram we'd appreciate it as well as hitting those five star reviews on podcast listening platforms such as apple and google we'd appreciate it as well 
Yeah, that'd be great. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast or followed it or whatever the terminology on your podcast platform of choices, please do. We're going to keep going. We got some great stuff coming up and we'll see you in the next show. Thanks for listening. I don't know why I just waved at the camera. Like, <laughs> it's okay. Goodbye. <laughs> Good journey. Ahoy. Good journey. <laughs>